Hello everyone and welcome to From the Archives. This podcast goes back to many sermons preached over many years. We thought we'd bring them from the past here into the present so you can enjoy some of the messages that came before. Take a listen to what we have tonight. But tonight, I want to look at our sixth question. Sixth question that comes up all the time is this. How could anyone believe in Noah's Ark? How could all of those animals get on one little boat? Have you ever been asked this question? I have. I think I'm the only one that gets asked this question. But they love to pick on pastors. Because they go, oh, nobody can defend this. In fact, I was on a website for biblical questions. And there's this one guy, his screen name is, his screen name is Beelzebub. Now that's got to tell you a lot right there about the guy. He's got a mental problem. Anyways, he says, the ark is impossible. It was too big. There's no historical precedence. And you couldn't put a couple million animals on it. Let's take old Beelzebub's question tonight and take it to heart and really examine this thing. If we're going to look at the ark, let's see where it all begins. Genesis 6, 13 through 22. Genesis 6, 13 through 22. Our only defense of the word of God is the word of God. Amen. So let's start with where it all begins with the word. Genesis 6. Now we were in the earlier part last time when we dealt with the flood. Now we're going to deal with the ark itself. Many of you uh, actually may not have been through this part of the Bible in a long, long time. Maybe if you taught Sunday school, you've been through it. Or if you taught kids... You've done the little Noah and the Ark thing. But maybe as an adult, we haven't visited this scripture in a long time. Let's take a look at it. Genesis 6, 13 through 22. I want to read the word of God first, and then we're going to break this thing down. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. It's width 50 cubits and its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark and you shall finish it to a cubit from above and set the door in the ark in its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. And behold, I myself am bringing flood waters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing that all flesh You shall bring two of every sort into the ark. To keep them alive with you, they shall be male and female. Of the birds after their kind, of the animals after their kind, and of every creeping thing of the earth after its kind. Two two of every kind will come to you and keep them alive. To keep them alive. And you shall take for yourselves of all food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. Thus Noah did, according to all that God commanded, so he did. All right, fantastic. Let's take this apart one at a time. What is our story? First, make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. That's verse 14. Everyone says, what is gopher wood? Do gophers really have wood? Well, we believe, of course, that the word gopher is the word for cypress, the cypress tree. 
But it's also um, combined with the word wood, which means timber or logging, planking. If you're, if you're a woodworker like Bill there, you know about planks and about wood. Tonight we're going to learn a little bit about the ancient world of ship making. And I told Tom not to heckle or berate me for my ignorance. But, you know, ships is one thing I know nothing about. So I had to do a little bit of reading, a little bit of research this week to figure this thing out. In the ancient Near East, gopher wood is also thought to apply to something called a laminate. Apparently the ancient Egyptians and all those cats, they had the ability using natural um, gummy secretions from trees to put different types of trees together to form a laminate. Now as a musician I can tell you when we make big bases we use sometimes seven layers of wood, different types of woods, different uh, grains, different thicknesses and we laminate them together so that they don't move. A single piece of wood bends, laminates don't. Apparently the ancient peoples had a rudimentary form of laminate wood and some people have said that this could be what gopher wood refers to a cypress laminate so keep that in your mind as we're talking about this stuff tonight let's keep going okay length 300 cubits width 50 cubits height 30 cubits who knows what a cubit is nobody it is generally assumed that's the distance from the tip of your finger to your elbow now if you are a big man let's say you're 636465 that's going to be a honking huge distance. If you're a short guy like me, hey, not bad. The average cubit is generally assumed to be 18 inches. Now that means that this thing was 437 feet long. It was 44 feet high and 73 feet wide. Now think about a boat with those dimensions. I'm going to show it to you in just a minute. But look at verse 16. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. You've got a three-deck ship now. Don't forget, though, it's, it's, it's width is 73 feet, but its height is also 44 feet. So you can easily have three decks in there that are that size. So it's, it's actually a pretty good proportion. Also, you shall bring two of every sort onto the ship to keep them alive. And we're going to come back to this in a minute because a little bit later, this two of every kind becomes a question. So we're going to come back and look. But why two of every kind? Two men don't breed, do they? Not even in California. Okay, two women don't breed. Okay, it just don't happen. God does not have a sense of humor on this issue. Okay, well, Rosie O'Donnell apart. I heard that story too. Anyways, so you've got to have a male and female. If God's going to wipe out the earth and he's going to preserve life, he needs a breeding pair of each animal. Remember that because it comes into play in chapter 7. Two of every kind will come to you, will come to you to keep them alive. Everyone's always asked the question, how could Noah go throughout this one giant continent, which formed the original face of the earth, you know, the one Pangean continent, how could he go throughout that continent and gather together all those different kinds of animals? You go to somewhere like Australia, big continent. Could one man, even four men, get every known species of animal on the Australian continent and bring it together? No. And Pangea was much, much larger. So God said, I will send them to you. I will put it in the hearts of these animals, their little animal instincts, and I will send them to you that they might be kept alive. Now we have to deal with the real tricky questions. What does this thing look like? That is a good rendition right there. Take a look at it. This is uh, showing the traditional rectangular shape 
that the ark is generally ascribed to. Uh, the reason they give it a rectangular shape is because some of those sightings, the ark sightings from way, way back in the day, uh, talked about a rectangular ship. Now they have done studies in tanks where they test ships and stuff, and Tom could explain this better than I can. Anyhow, they set these things in there and they simulate giant waves and stuff. And they said this rectangular shape with these proportions was pretty stable. Now look at this thing, 437 feet long. 73 feet wide, 44 feet tall. Next to it, by scale, to show a scale of comparison, you've got a 747, you got a couple dinos, you got an elephant and a giraffe. Let me ask you something. Was it a big boat? You betcha. And this is why everyone questions it. They said that in those days, they did not have the ability to build such places. Now you will notice on some of the modern drawings, they add a bow and a stern, and I'll explain that in just a minute. This is the rendition I showed you when I talked about the flood. This is what they think the ark may look like. If you notice, it is incredibly large. It's all deck. There's, a, there's that small one cubit, 18 inch window that runs the length of it. You have a structure in the back, which is closest to you, and they have a structure in the front, which actually goes out under the water, juts, and comes back. What they explained was this. Having looked at Phoenician, Roman, Egyptian, and other types of ancient ships, they find that they often had a design similar to this. Something called a forecastle. Whatever a forecastle is for, I don't know, but that's what apparently what it is and it helps it keep directional stability in a wind because the ark has no what? What do you not see on the ark? You, you, you don't see any rudder and you don't see any sails. Of course, were they trying to go somewhere? No. What were they trying to do? Stay alive. So interestingly, uh, this picture is the best rendition they have and people have criticized this. They said, we have never seen in the history of the world anything that remotely looks like this. Let me throw a couple of things at you. I did some research. In the Battle of the Aegean Sea in 280 BC, a man named Usher, a historian, was aboard the sailing ships that were at war. There was one ship, the Leontifera. The Leontifera, get this, had eight tiers of rowers. Now a tier was a hundred men long and it was stacked on top of the next hundred men. So there were eight tiers of a hundred men. That's 800 men on rows on each side of this ship. Now this is not a Bible story. This is a historian recording the Goliath of a beast he saw. He says it was between four and 500 feet long. Hey, look at that. The ark was 437. It was kind of short compared to this beast. Four to 500 feet long. 1,600 rowers, 800 per side. There were 1,200 men of war who stayed in the middle decks while the rowers rowed. There was a total crew of 3,000 men plus sea provisions. 3,000 men in a boat 500 feet long with food and provisions. You know what? Suddenly, the ark doesn't sound so outrageous, does it? Compare this. Usher reports the sister ship which they refer to as the small fry, was actually only 400 feet long. It had eight tiers of rowers, but only 50 rowers on each side. So half the number of oars and only 400 feet long. Not so bad. Check this out. Ptolemy. You know the Ptolemies, the Egyptian cats that ruled over the country? Okay, they built a ship which is considered to be the largest wooden warship in history. 420 feet long, 
57 feet wide and get this one, 72 feet tall. 72 feet from bottom to top. I thought this was cool. It didn't have eight tiers of rowers like the Leontifera. This thing had 40 tiers of rowers, 40 tiers of men rowing. The oars, the topmost oars were 57 feet long to reach from their window to the water. Suddenly, the ark, which was 44 feet high, is kind of short. It's not a big ship compared to this beast. This thing had seven rams in the front of it, and the undergirders, the wooden undergirders, were 900 feet long to support the, to support the rams at the front of the ship. 4,000 rowers, 2,850 men of war, a total crew of 7,250, plus provisions for sea. Athanasius reports the largest wooden sailing ship in history. Now suddenly, if we have three ships over 400 feet long, why is the ark called into question? Nobody questions Usher's report, Battle in the Aegean Sea, 280 BC. Nobody even questions this cat Ptolemy who built this beast, and Athanasius reports on it. Look at this. This is what it is believed to have looked like inside the ark. They have modeled this after attack craft of the time in sailing ships of approximate size. If you'll notice, you have a lower, a second, and a third deck, right? You can see it clearly. In between were, were manning decks where the soldiers or the sailors could go up and down between the larger decks. So the larger decks might be 12, 15 feet, right? 15, 30, 45 feet, pretty close. So you got 15 feet up. So they put smaller decks in between with ladders so they can get up. In the middle, they would store all the animals. On the sides, they could store all the provisions, all the water, all the food. Don't forget, this beast that Ptolemy built, this warship, the biggest one in history, had 7,250 men on it with provisions, armor, weapons. What's the complement of, of a standard uh, aircraft carrier? Anybody know? 6,000 men on an aircraft carrier. It's a dwarf. It's a minuscule thing compared to this beast. Not picking on aircraft carriers. We consider aircraft carriers to be insanely huge. If you've ever seen one, they're nuts. When I lived in San Francisco, I, I was on the Golden Gate Bridge when the, when the USS Carl Vinson came underneath. I never saw something that impressive in my whole life. That is an impressive ship. This thing that was built um, in about the same period as the Aegean Sea Battle, about two, 250. This thing was bigger and had more men on it. That's crazy. And it was made of wood. So suddenly, the ark doesn't seem so insane after all, does it? So if someone tells you they could never build a ship that big, this guy Beelzebub online, he typed in, categorically I state that from an engineering point of view, even today, we could not build a wooden ship that would be over 300 feet long. I'm thinking the boy flunked history, or he can't read, because 300 feet is nothing compared to these three beasts that we've talked about that were built in the, in the, in the like 280 BC. So, you know, if the technology existed then, why couldn't, with God's planning, have it existed for someone like Noah? Let's go on. We want to go to Genesis 7, 1 through 4. Genesis 7, 1 through 4. We want to keep talking. Okay, now we have an ark that is theoretically possible. It's large. It's big. Everyone says, but there's so many problems with that. Well, let's, let's take a look at what the Bible says. Genesis 7, 1 through 4 says this. 
Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. I want to stop right there. What was Noah's righteousness? Faith. How did he exhibit his faith? He built a stinking boat. He built the boat. That's how you show faith. Abraham expressed faith by being willing to sacrifice his own son. I have seen now, the Lord said, that you will not withhold anything from me. He believed the Lord. It was counted him as righteousness. Noah believed in his day and he built the boat. So he was righteous in this generation. I guess the question I would ask is, if the Lord told us to do a thing, would he consider us righteous in our generation because we do it? You shall take with you, now here's a problem for a lot of people. You shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, a male and his female, two each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female. Also seven each of birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of all the earth. For after seven more days I will cause it to rain on the earth, Forty days and forty nights, and I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. And I want to add in verse 5. And Noah did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. Man of righteousness. Let's break this thing down. First, verse 1. Come into the ark. I want you to consider what this represents to us today. Who calls lost men and women to salvation? God does. Who calls people into a relationship with himself? God does. He does it through the church, through pastors, Sunday school teachers, deacons, missionaries, average ordinary peoples on their jobs, in family reunions. He uses us to say what? Come into the ark. Destruction was coming, so he called them to safety, even as he's called us to safety. So that's, I, I just thought that was an amazing thing. Look at verse 2. Seven each of every clean animal, two each of animals that are unclean. Okay, Uncle Beelzebub on his website today was ranting. You Christians can't even count. First you say, God says two of everything. Then you say, God says seven everything. And I says, you can't read. If you go back to chapter 6, why does he want Noah to take one breeding pair of every kind of animal into the ark that they might be kept alive notice the distinction seven of every clean animal right and two of every unclean animal when was the law of clean and unclean given to the people of the world just after they got kicked out of the garden of eden moses wasn't the first to hear the commandment of god how did Abel know how to give a sacrifice that was acceptable, more acceptable than Cain's? Because they already had the law of sacrifice when they got kicked out of the garden. When they got expelled, man had to have laws to live by, and God had already given it to them. They already knew it. Noah, in his day, which precedes Moses by quite a spell, already knew what clean and unclean were. Now, why would there be a need for seven of every clean animal? Okay, anybody here ever been on a vegetable diet for a year? Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, Atkins for a year we could do. Vegetables, not so much. Vegan, not in this house. 
Okay, here's the thing. On that boat, for that year they would be floating, they would need to eat meat. So he needed to have one pair of breathing animals, one of each kind of animal, but he needed the rest for food. And don't forget, what did Noah do when he got off of the Titanic? He sacrificed. That's right, keeping it kosher. And to sacrifice unto the Lord, what did he need? Clean animals. God looked down through what was happening, through that preparation, to the year they would get off the ark. They needed to have food on the ark. They needed to have animals to sacrifice. And they needed to eat to stay alive. See, when I, when I read Beelzebub's comment, I was like, you are just not thinking. You're just trying to grab any straw to show a discrepancy, but you're not even looking at what it says. You need a pair to stay alive, to breed, and repopulate the earth. They had to eat something. And when they got off the boat, they had to have a sacrifice. Hello? So that's why God calls them to have seven for sacrifice and for food. So there's actually no real problem there. Go on to the next one. Seven each of the birds to keep the species alive on the face of all the earth. Birds, of course, were acceptable sacrifices also. So there were certain sacrifices that were used birds for. So he had to have seven of those guys. Not that I'm thinking they're eating pigeons or anything because, you know, yuck, but I mean, it happens. But they had to keep them alive on the face of all the earth. Now this, for seven more days I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. He gave them seven days to get them all on the boat. Did, I, I, I say this because I have, I have read it, but the scripture doesn't say it. So I, I say this as a thought, not as doctrine. So please mark this down pastor's opinion, and you know what to do with that, right? I really think God wanted everybody to get the, to get the story. I mean, when you're standing up there, and this is boat, okay? And the nearest ocean is way over yonder in the pawpaw patch. But suddenly, all the animals are gone, and they're all on the boat. You've got to be thinking in your head, this is not good. This is not a good thing that this is happening. And as the guy said, if you look at all the types of animals on the face of the earth, Everything we have today is what? The result of 4,400 years of animals breeding, natural selection, survival of the fittest, speciation, all of that wonderful stuff that just says dogs turn into dogs, even if they turn into poodles. And it says cats turn into cats, even if they're the little smashed up face cats that you know, nobody really wants. You only needed one type of dog. Two dogs is all you need on the, on the whole ark. Probably wolves, something like that big all the genes intact, one type of, of feline. You only need one type of elephant. Yes, yeah, some elephants have big ears, some have small ears, some have different you know, physical characteristics. You only needed two elephants. And they didn't have to be big mamas and daddies. They could be little bitty elephants and little bitty hippopotamuses and little bitty dinosaurs or eggs even, I don't know. Whatever they had on the ark didn't have to be full grown. But if you think about this, if the Egyptians could build a ship capable of holding 7,250 men with their weapons and their provisions, why could not God have given Noah the plan for a ship that looked like we saw that would hold eight people? It's estimated that you could have the current world population of animals with as few as 2,000 individual animals. But most people err on the side of caution and they say it could be as much as 12 thousand animals. But think about that. You've got three decks 
over 400 feet long. Could you put 8,000 animals on a boat with eight people and have them hang out for a year? The Egyptians did. And if they could do it, anybody could, right? Think about this. There is nothing mathematically or statistically or structurally impossible about what the Bible says happened. We see examples of it all around us. And so why is it that our own kids, why is it our own teachers doubt that, that the flood was real, that the ark was real, that Noah was real? This is the one I get. And this is Uncle Beelzebub again. I'm going to meet that guy someday so I can lay hands on him. Just in a healing way, of course. And, and, and he says, how could four guys build a boat that big? See, he doesn't acknowledge that these other ships exist. He doesn't acknowledge that they exist. But we know that the, that the um, Romans and, and the Egyptians, they have massive workforces to build these ships, right? If we build an aircraft carrier, it takes a bunch of people to build an aircraft carrier. How long did Noah and his sons have to build the aircraft? To build the ark. To build the ark. 100 years. Could four guys build something that big in 100 years? You ever seen like Amish build, build, build a barn? One day, baby. It can happen. You ever seen guys build a Habitat for Humanity house that's like, you know, maybe 2,000, 3,000 square feet in, in a couple days? Did you notice this too? The Bible never says that only Noah and only his sons worked on the boat. If Noah was a wealthy man, and you, want, and you were a wealthy man, and you wanted to get something built, what would you do? Hire people. Hire a bunch of people. But you got 100 years, so what's the rush, right? Just get it built. So what can we say now? I think this. The ark is comparable to other ancient ships of history. Some are even bigger. You can go online and put ancient ships, and you'll get a dozen websites that will especially mention this Leantifera. The Leantifera is, is a famous ship because Usher was a great historian. The battle was in the Aegean Sea, 280 BC. Bunch of people saw this thing. You know, Ptolemy, we all know who the Ptolemies were. We know that reign in Egypt. And we know they had great, um, great weapons of, of war. The amazing thing was, this ship that they talk about, this beast, may not have been the biggest ship that Ptolemy built. Apparently, according to the history records, he actually got so angry at one group of people, he put a catapult, a battle catapult, on a ship. Built a ship big enough for a catapult, and this catapult could throw things like 180 meters. That's a big catapult. And to put that on a boat, and to take it somewhere, and attack a city? That's chutzpah, man. That's total chutzpah. We look at the pyramids today, they still stand after how many thousands of years? Look at all of these things that were done in ancient antiquity and they have lasted even though their technical skills were supposed to be primitive. I don't think so. The ark is totally comparable in size, in dimensions, in carrying capacity to anything else that we have in history. So why do we doubt it? Two, the number of species needed to account for today's diversity were easily housed on a ship of the ark's proportions. If they only needed say 8,000 individual animals, individual kinds of animals. I mean, if you want to have a world full of, of turtles, how many turtles do you start with? Two. Okay, some turtles like bats. They turn into sea turtles. That's not evolution, that's speciation. Okay, that's adaptation. It happens. Like uh, Uncle Darwin went to the Galapagos and he saw the stupid finches. This finch had a big beak, this finch had a small beak, this Finch had a straight beak. 
How many of them were pterodactyls? None. They were all fishes for crying out loud. Look at people. Some people are large. Some people are small. Some people have hair. Some of us don't. It's okay. We're all different. But you know what? Is there any orangutans in here? I don't think so. So we're all good. There's no reason that they needed to have all of these different animals. Just a pair of the basic species kind, and you're good to go. Last, there is no need to doubt that the ark was real and capable of surviving a global flood. In fact, God bless them, the Korean government in 1993 sponsored a study of ark designs. And they studied the Babylonian design, which was a, which was a box, and they did all the other studies. And Dr. Hong, who, who pioneered this, the research in Korea, wrote a big, long, giant paper, and it basically said, this stupid thing could float and could take any wave you could throw at it. I mean, if the Koreans say it, it must be true, amen? There we go. I mean, if Korea tells me the ark works, I'm believing it. So, so we're good to go. So when you deal with people who doubt it, point them to their own computer. Say, you go look it up. Go look up this ancient warship that was as big as the ark and this other warship that was bigger. And if they existed, why do you doubt this one? Because here you have direct proportions and everything else. And if, if we know that, that you only need one kind of monkey to get all the different kinds of monkeys on the face of the earth, what's the problem? And I think that's really what it is. Why do we as believers doubt God's word just because somebody with a PhD slapped behind his name and five years of drug and alcohol abuse in college, just because he says it's not true, why do we believe it? Why do we doubt God on anything? Thank you for joining us today in the archives. I am your host, Richard Stidham. Remember that we are a listener-supported ministry here, and if you would like to contribute in any way to keeping this message on the air, you can send any gifts to Richard Stidham, 1321 Baytown, Texas, 77521. That's P.O. Box 1321, Baytown, Texas, 77521. God bless and we'll see you again in the archives.